Hey, Jake here. I'm really glad that you were able to find our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening to this and you probably haven't uh, listened to all of our episodes yet, I'm going ahead and I'm going to throw this onto our first couple of episodes just to give you a heads up. Our audio in the first couple of episodes is not the best out there. We were kind of figuring things out as we go. Um, now in our most recent episodes, it's not perfect, but it's a lot better. So go ahead and uh, give us a listen. Um, there's really good information in these first couple of episodes without question. We've done our due diligence in that part, but uh, our audio engineering skills were still a little uh, lacking. But again, not perfect, but uh, a lot better now. So go ahead and listen. If you like what you're listening to, please share and uh, keep with us because it's only going to get better from here. So thanks. Teacher Vet is a podcast about topics in veterinary medicine. Though we strive to provide research-based information, it is not intended to be used as medical advice. So if Fido is feeling sick, be sure to take him to your vet. Trust us, they know what they are doing. Hi, I'm Jacob Vockler, and I'm the teacher. Hi, I'm Amanda Vockler, and I'm the vet. And you're listening to Teacher Teacher Vet. Vet. Hello and welcome to episode two of Teacher Vet Podcast. We are excited today to talk about something that totally has given me the willies for the whole time that we've been researching it. (laughs) What are we talking about today? We are talking about heartworm disease. Icky. Icky. That's what we are talking about. Uh, We're going to be talking about heartworm disease and there are some very interesting things about it. But I'll tell you what, looking at the pictures and reading about it a little bit, just uh, really helps me sleep at night. <laughs> You're easy to gross out, though. So I am easy to gross bad. out. There, there's no question about that. I am easy to gross out. Well, there's a lot of cool stuff that we're ready to talk about today. So I can't really think of anything other to do than just jump right in. What do you say? Well, how we came about this topic, and I thought that would be an important topic to talk about, especially this time of year, is because of mosquitoes, and we'll go into that and the the reasoning behind that as as we learn more about a heartworm for those that might not know about it um, but this time of year there's a lot of mosquitoes around and um, it is a, a big thing more recently that there is a rise of heartworm disease um, the american heartworm society has found that there's an increase of about 1.8 percent each year of increase of cases oh. and so in here in Utah, there was a huge uprise of cases as well. And we're usually pretty disease-free. We don't see a lot of heartworm disease here. But the state of Utah this last year had the highest increase in, in, in cases. So that's kind of what got my interest in it. So this is definitely on your mind. Yes. Yeah. And it's a, it's a huge topic of conversation that I have with my clients on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. So... So really, we could skip this whole podcast and just simply say, get rid of mosquitoes, get rid of heartworm? Essentially, yes. All right. Well, problem solved. There we go. <laughs> so what is heartworm? So heartworm, is, as, as you mentioned, is preventable, mainly in preventing mosquitoes. Um, but is it a potentially lethal disease? Because as it sounds, this worm migrates and will reside within the heart of an animal. It's more commonly a disease seen in dogs. Dogs are the natural host, meaning that they are the ones that 
are essentially are the reservoirs of the disease that they will help spread it. Um, other animals aren't as good of hosts of this disease, and so they essentially aren't aren't able to transmit it as well as dogs are. This is one of the diseases, a vector-borne disease, meaning that it's spread by a vector, aka an insect. Okay, um, I'm glad you said it. I was totally going to ask you. So <laughs> that it has the highest morbidity and highest mortality of any other vector-borne disease. Was it between mortality and morbidity? <laughs> so <laughs> essentially, do you have the disease, and did you die? from the disease okay <laughs> is, the, is the difference between the two okay sounds morbidity good. means you have it mortality you died i figured the mortality it. one i never heard morbidity before <laughs> yep and if i haven't heard it somebody who's not a vet hasn't heard it before i'm sure <laughs> it's true so jake i know as you've been l- learning a little bit more about heartworm disease i want to ask you i'll put you on the hot seat what is the cause, the most common cause of heartworm. What's the name of the the parasite? Uh, the mosquitolitis no. parasite. It starts with a D. <laughs> oh well, can I look at the note? <laughs> I don't know. Can you? <laughs> I've read it ten times, and there's no way on this earth I'm going to be able to pronounce this. Dirofilaria. 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 Imidus. Imidus. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> you were so close. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dirofilaria, they are very long parasitic groundworms. It's a, essentially the, a genus of worms. There are other species, but Dirofilaria imidus is the more common one that affects dogs. Can I pause um, you for a second? This yeah. is literally a worm in the dog's heart. Yes. Oh, that's so gross. Worm. And they can be up to a, a foot long. Don't tell me that. Yeah. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's it's very gross. This is my favorite thing we've ever talked about. <laughs> well, what can even get more gross is hum- humans can get no. heartworm. No. <laughs> we aren't very... Really? Yeah. We aren't very good hosts for heartworm, so it's very rare. But there have been reports of some human cases of humans getting heartworm. Oh. I hope to be a terrible host for a worm. I want nothing to do with these worms. <laughs> exactly. Why on earth? Oh. Well, so, thank you. So, like I said, the main natural hosts, though, are dogs and even wild dogs, such as foxes and wolves. And another one is raccoons. Um, there is a, a certain species of heartworm that's not even found in the United States um, that's more seen in Europe and, and other places. So... But again, you know, essentially for the interest of our topic, we're going to be mainly talking about uh, Dirofilaria imidis. Nice. And that's the one for dogs. That's the one that we see, or you see anyway. Yes. So the life cycle, and I won't go into a whole spiel. We could spend a whole, like, long, half hour long, even hour long podcast about the life cycle and but we're trying to get listeners <laughs> so that we're not going to do that no but there's some interesting things to know and what i educate people about is why knowing the life cycle of any parasite is important in how to prevent it and also how to treat it i'm glad you said that because i thought knowing the life cycle I, nobody should know that really but i guess <laughs> besides for you, your vet <laughs> besides right? your vet you're correct <laughs> So the the interesting thing about 
heartworm. So as we said, it's spread by the bite of a mosquito. Mm -hmm. A mosquito has to bite a dog that is infected with heartworm, that is heartworm positive, as we would say. Mm -hmm. Um, And this dog has to have mature worms in its heart that are sexually mature, aka they are reproducing. They mate and they make teeny tiny little microscopic things called microfilaria. Uh, awesome. This is getting so. better. This, I, <laughs> I feel are... like I need to go take a shower and get the <laughs> willies off of me. Right. <laughs> so these big worms in the heart are reproducing, making teeny tiny little worms that are circulating, circulating around the dog's bloodstream. The mosquito then bites the dog and ingests one of these teeny tiny little microfilaria. Yeah. These then will replicate and develop into an infective worm then within the mosquito. The mosquito then goes over to the neighbor's house and bites a negative dog. Okay. So then that negative dog then gets essentially how it's transmitted from the bite of the mosquito is this worm is transmitted through the saliva or the spit yeah. of the mosquito as it bites them this, and gets into their bloodstream. So the scenario, in it, it feels like a lot of things have to align, but with it being on the rise, I mean, this you know, there's so mm-hmm. many mosquitoes. So this is a serious thing. That it only need has to, be... to take, yeah, it only has to take the bite of one simple mosquito that happens yeah. to be carrying the infective, uh, infective worm. Well, I officially um, hate mosquitoes more. <laughs> mosquitoes spread lots of other things that I you know. might not even know. But... I know some of them. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, once the mosquito then bites this negative dog, the um, worm then develops into a larvae in the tissue. And this takes about a couple months. Really? And then this larvae then starts to get into the bloodstream of the dog. And it takes upwards up to four to five months to grow and develop into the adult worm. So from the time that a mosquito bites a dog to the to the time that it is a mature adult in the in the heart, it takes about six months. Wow, so it's in there for a good amount of time. Yes. This is a big reason why we we advocate and and essentially want year long prevention. Um, because it can take a long time for for these stages to happen, yeah. and you might not know what stage a dog is potentially in. So it's possible that they could be bit sometime in the summer, and then they don't show any symptoms until wintertime. Yeah, and they might not even show any symptoms initially, huh. because they might only have a couple worms at that point. The even more interesting part is, in a dog, these worms can survive... Do you have any guess of how long these worms can live in a dog's heart? Oh, I, I can tell you I don't really want to know because it's super <laughs> gross to me. Uh, I Like uh, years? I don't know. Five to seven years. No way. Oh. Yeah. Just so, living off the host. Yeah, living and then they're replicating and then making more. And then it gets to that point where there are so many worms, they can it, cause a blockage in the heart. Dogs that are then essentially showing signs of heartworm disease usually are coughing. They're kind of having exercised-induced exhaustion. 
they also I get that can, a lot. So do I have heartworm? You might. I go up the stairs and I'm kind and of feeling cough. winded. I cough a little. <laughs> or it's asthma and out of shape, potentially. Probably. Yeah. I'll probably yeah. go with that. Yeah. That's, it's probably that, but. Thanks. You know. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks, wife. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, I don't want you thinking that <laughs> all of a sudden becoming a hypochondriac and thinking you have heartworm when it's really rare for a human to have yeah. it. But I would really awesome. rather chalk it up to the fact that I'm out of shape because I want nothing to do with heartworms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like other things that you can sometimes see is just even that, just a, a meaningless little cough with yeah. with the dog that you think oh why are you coughing um and then it can get to the point where then they're even fainting mainly well, because their heart cannot pump enough blood and, and their heart's not working well to um keep up with their activity yeah. um, and everything that way so humans that are infected with diaphoria can show similar signs um, of this. In humans, this is a harder thing or disease to happen because, again, we're not good hosts. The larvae have a harder time replicating in our tissues and then migrating into the heart and then then in turn right there by the lungs. Um, But what can happen in humans is they might not even have any symptoms of heartworm. Um, but some can be cough, chest pain, fever. Um, another thing can be pleural effusion, meaning that there's a lot of fluid in the space between the lungs and the chest cavity. The thing I found interesting is in 2005, that was the last thing I could find about publication of human diseases, mm-hmm. that there were a total of 81 cases of human heartworm that were reported. There's so. 81 more than need to exist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's just in the United States. So that's, you know, from beginning in 1941 to 2005, there was 81 cases. Wow. So I just thought that was kind of kind of interesting as, as far as that goes. Um, the big thing, too, to take note and, you know, focusing in on our little friend, the mosquito, or not friend, our foe, it is kind of follows the the pattern of where is the most mosquitoes and a lot of mosquito problem is where we're seeing a lot more heartworm disease. Um, So down south, mainly southeast states are where there's the majority of heartworm disease and heartworm problems. So like I mentioned in the beginning here where we live in Utah, it's not very common. We do see cases of it and there has been a rise of cases mainly because of transportation of animals yeah. is, is a big thing of that we are getting animals displaced and moved to different, say, shelters, adoption events that were potentially positive and then, you know, coming into to the state and, and spreading yeah. the, we, the disease. Utah, as you mentioned, Utah specifically being one of the highest, it's, Utah's really actually uh, doing really well, economically speaking, too. And there's a lot of jobs that are booming right now. So a lot of people moving here mm-hmm. and they could be bringing, so they could have been bit in who else, you know, wherever they came from. And then they're bringing it here. They're a carrier without knowing it, yes. essentially. Yes. Crazy. Yeah, it's exactly. Crazy. And even so, you know, a, a couple years ago with the hurricanes in Texas and Florida, Texas and Florida are in the top 10 most (laughs) heavily ridden heartworm 
states. It's and, good thing to be known for. <laughs> right. And uh, so we had a lot of animals that were displaced because of the hurricanes that then came to shelters all across America. But we got a lot in shelters here in Utah. And so a lot of that then brought in a lot of dogs with heartworm disease. Yeah. Um, I know a couple of them that were even treated in our clinic or um, neighboring clinics. And uh, so I think that that contributed a little bit to that as well. You know, again, you know, big driving point is that any animal is susceptible, regardless of the species. Again, it's more common in dogs. We can see it in cats and even ferrets, raccoons, wild animals, humans. Any animal is susceptible. It only takes one bite of one mosquito to transmit this disease. And mosquitoes don't judge. They, they don't, don't discriminate. They don't discriminate on who they're biting or even where they live. As researching this, it made me remember a story uh, that I that I personally have about mosquitoes. In the middle of talking with a client about heartworm prevention, um, and talking about mosquitoes specifically, because they asked, "Oh well, what what causes heartworm disease?" And you know, then my my first answer, of course, mm-hmm. is, "Well, mosquitoes." Well, my client then turns to me and very seriously said, "Well, I don't have to worry about that. I live in a gated community." <laughs> We don't have mosquitoes where I live. Mosquitoes can't fly past the the gate. No, heavens no. And I've even <laughs> I can't. I've heard this story before, and it gets better every time. It's so and, good. And I have even had people say, "No, they live in the mountains, and so <laughs> mosquitoes aren't there, or they live on a hill, or just yeah. different things like that." That or another thing, you know, to combat that. Even an strictly indoor animal that's never been outside. Mosquitoes, mosquitoes come inside. Mosquitoes come inside. Yeah. Regardless of where you live. Yeah. What, you know, if your animal's indoor, outdoor, what type of animal it is, mosquitoes yeah. can bite them. Well, there is one thing. <laughs> Our house is a blue house. So they don't attack blue houses, though. So we're actually safe. Yeah. Blue house, right? I'm glad we lived in a blue house. Yeah, so we're good. So so, so everything you said is true, <laughs> except for if you live in a blue house. So then, we're safe. Everybody else should fine. worry, though. Okay. Yeah. All right, just making fine. sure we're good there. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everyone, just a quick intermission here. If we were super cool and had sponsors, this is where we would tell you all about them. Unfortunately, we aren't quite there yet. So to help us get to that point, we need your help. Find us on Instagram at Teacher Vet Podcast. We're on Twitter at teacher underscore vet or just search teacher vet podcast. Soon we will have a Facebook page, so keep your eye out for that. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and spread the word. And if you have any topic requests or thoughts, hit us up at teachervetpodcast at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Now we've learned about what heartworm disease is. Let's talk about the history. I know that'll be Jake's moment to shine in his where he's excited about it. Yeah, when <laughs> so. we when we decided to do heartworm, uh, I started to do a little bit of research of of it as a whole, and I definitely quickly just passed it back to to Amanda, and I said, "You need to do most of this because there's a ton of medical jargon here that I just don't get." But the history aspect of it, um, I was able to do a little bit of research of. But you know, hats off to you—you you actually did the majority of this, so it's uh, pretty cool. 
The, the history of Heartworm, though, is actually really simple. Basically because it's it's kind of new-ish. And what I mean, what I mean by that is the diagnosis of it and the and knowing what it is and knowing how to treat it and all of that is actually very new. Um, you have your boss at work, right, who's been a veterinarian since the 80s. He graduated in the 80s. You talked to him today and you said, Hey, so what did you know about Heartworm when you graduated? And his answer was Not not a whole lot. They yeah. talked about it a little bit, but it wasn't until that point that there wasn't a treatment yeah. for it. So hardworm really doesn't have a treatment until the 80s. And so that's why there's really not a gigantic amount when you're talking about the history of it. However, there is some pretty, uh, some pretty cool stuff that's out there. So let's go back to as early as we can or as early as we know. In 1586, Ches Gene Wolfe was opening up a horse heart and found what they say is a, quote, monster or a grotesque creature that uh, that they found inside, which is later going to be identified as, as a heartworm. And uh, this monster or grotesque creature can be found sketched out. You could still see them all around today. Um, we'll probably throw it up on one of our social media sites just for people who are interested in it. And it looks really kind of weird. It looks like a little worm with a bunch of little tentacles off of it. But okay. uh, a uh, worm branching through the arteries and, and vessels. Yeah, and disgusting. Like that. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so 300 years after that is when the first uh, canine heartworm is going to be found in southeast uh, coast of the United States. The earliest case of heartworm that's found in uh, uh, that's been documented in any way for dogs was in Italy in 1626 in a greyhound dog specifically. So that's uh, so. I mean, we have some idea of this being a thing, but uh, really not a lot of knowledge on what was causing it or anything like that. So since then, most diagnosis of heartworm is actually it's actually more prevalent in the United States and Canada than most other places there was actually a human case of heartworm in Brazil in 1887 which just totally grosses me out that that's a thing I know we talked about it but it's a thing and it's super gross Uh, along with that the first feline case was found in 1921 and so you could see the kind of the progression of of us starting to figure it out um, as far as what heartworm is and the diagnosis of it and things like that there was the American Heartworm Society that was established in 1974 as you could see there, there was more awareness of it and so there was this gathering of people trying to figure out really what to do. And then it wasn't until the 80s, like we kind of already talked about, that the first treatment or options were brought up on how to get rid of heartworm infections. And I'm going to do my best at taking a shot yeah. at this. What do you think? How do you say this drug class, Jake? Macrocyclic lactones. There you go. You got, got it. it. Okay, I win the prize. So, macric cyclic lactones. Oh, boy. (laughs) You said said it better the first time. You shouldn't have repeated it. (laughs) Should have stopped while I was ahead. Um, So, being in the 80s, as this was the first one that was established, it's kind of cool because there were literally... Uh, people from all over the world, right, who came together to try and figure out how to do this. Yeah, so it was actually found in a lab in Tokyo, um, and then they they transported it to the U.S. for them to do further testing. The, this drug class was a something derived from a soil-born uh, bacteria, hmm. and that's how it's derived and, and what this drug class is from. So it took a lot of people and a lot of effort to make to this figure drug that class. out. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, and it's now a, a drug that we use daily for lots of different things, yeah. not only just heartworm, but a lot of different parasites is what the, this drug class uh, treats for. Um, so, you know, essentially drugs for those interested, macrocyclic lactones, um, in, includes ivermectin, um, abamectin, doramectin, apiramectin, and selamectin, and mil- milbamycin. And everybody listening knows exactly what that is and cares about it. Yes. <laughs> but for my veterinary colleagues, they... Yeah. All right. That'll make them happy. Fair enough. <laughs> so let's fast forward a little bit to today then. So, so how, how do you we, figure it out? How do we what find is it? The, yeah, what do you yeah, do? Yeah, well, I mean, back in the day, you know, a lot of times they were just finding it on necropsies. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, know, right? They've after, died. After they've died, trying to figure out necropsy is essentially an autopsy, but necropsy is um, doing that on an animal specifically, mm-hmm. trying to figure out why they, why they passed on. So diagnosis is mainly, you know, there's simple little blood tests that we do nowadays, but back in the day, they eventually would draw blood from an animal and found that there's this teeny little microscopic worm that they happened to find. And, you know, they'd draw a blood sample, put it on a microscope slide to do a blood smear, and then happened to find this little teeny worm. So they would have to just hope that they could catch a worm in that that blood slide. Yeah, happened to catch it. So it was harder to find, easier to find in animals that have a really large worm burden, meaning that they have a larger amount of worms there in their heart. So they have a higher chance of having more little than microfilaria. There's a worm burden. Worm burden. Worm burden. Isn't like, that should be like one, really. In (laughs) in cats, but in dogs, there can be hundreds of Ugh. worms in, in their heart. I think one um, worm is, is high enough a burden. <laughs> it's true. Um, so the, the then kind of jumping forward, there was the knots test that was developed. Well, you this, tie a knot onto a string, run it through the heart, and try and catch a worm. Yeah, like oh, fishing. Cool. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, knots test is they kind of concentrate um, the worms by filtering the blood. So... When they pass the blood f- through this filter, the worms are longer and obviously bigger than a little red blood cell. So these, th- they stay up on the filter and then they're able to concentrate these worms a little bit heavier. And yeah. then they're able to see then, do we, do we have worms present in the bloodstream? And at this point, then that's when, you know, like I said that at the end, the beginning, this is six months down the line from the mosquito biting the dog when they are sexually mature worms that then have caused these little microscopic worms, the microfilaria, to mm-hmm. be circulating around in the bloodstream. So sometimes it's not, you know, obviously the most effective because this is when then they have a, a big worm um, affecting their heart at mm-hmm. that point. Other tests now that we run is a, it's called an antigen test. An antigen is a protein and that protein is something that then is produced by, in this case, the female worm, the female adult worm. This antigen then is circulating in the bloodstream of, of the animal. And so to test for that is you draw the blood, mm-hmm. you put it on a special test called a SNAP test um, or a LISA test, where then it's kind of similar to like pregnancy tests, you know, where a positive, there's all of a sudden a blue line, um, 
with these tests, there's lines or there's dots, different things like that. You just figure and it out you, from there. Yeah. You can see a, then a, a positive versus a negative. Yeah. Um, the interesting part, so since this antigen is only produced by the female worm, sometimes in cats, you can actually have a false negative test. Because there's maybe they, they only have males. Yeah. They only have male mm -hmm. worms mm. present. So... It's, you know, sometimes you can get false negatives if there's what we call an occult infection, meaning that there's only um, male worms present. Yeah. So interesting little fact that, you know, not everyday people are going to know about. No, I didn't know that at all. <laughs> so once an animal is positive then for heartworm disease, there's going to be more tests that are going to need to be done. In you got to figure out how many confirm, and stuff like that. Yeah, and see how... How big of a worm burden is it? Has it started to affect their heart? Are we seeing um, enlargement of the heart? So we take chest x-rays. Um, you can do an ultrasound of the heart to visually see, is this causing an impact where the valves can't close? The heart's not pumping appropriately. Do we see also congestion or enlargement of blood vessels in the lungs mm -hmm. as well from it? So there's, you know, essentially other tests that are going to be done at that point. Jumping ahead then to treatment, you know, treatment is very risky. And the interesting part is, so the FDA approved a single treatment in 1981 for dogs, and that's an injection. It is a... Um, it's essentially an adulticide. It's going to kill the adult worms in, in the dog. There's not an FDA-approved treatment for cats. Can they just not right handle now. it? There's just there's nothing that, that can work hmm. of what, what, what has been shown. So In your lifetime, you may see one, maybe. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. And it, I mean, sometimes there's not a lot that can be done for cats because, again, they're not good hosts for heartworm. So I think, you know, that that is essentially to be put into the idea of yeah. treatment for them. I don't think cats not. are very good hosts in general for anything. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. So the goal of heartworm treatment is to kill the adult worms that are present and also the microfluria, meaning the teen, teeny tiny little circulating ones um, that are present in the dog, as safe as we can. Because when you think about it, it's really risky. You have all these worms, these big old worms that then you're killing off in large numbers. They can cause a clog in important blood vessels or in the lungs that then can be fatal to so you, these guys. So you have live worms that could clog up a heart. Then you try and kill the worm with this injection. And then you have broken They're off pieces floating of around and, dead worm. Yeah. This is this sounds like a beautiful it's thing. So, it's so, so lovely. Nice. <laughs> so, so the biggest thing is like that I mean, people don't, don't really always know and understand when treating heartworm, it's scary. It's risky. Yeah. And, you know, as, as a veterinarian, I would love to not ever treat it. That would be awesome. And luckily, I don't have to treat it a lot because, again, we're in the area that, that we don't heavy. see it a ton. But we see it occasionally. Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd be happy to never have to treat for it. So um, if treatment is so terrible, how do we stop it? So we stop it by preventing it. We give a monthly preventative or even there is an injectable that is on the market to prevent this heartworm yeah. um, from, from ever growing into the adult worm. 
the injection lasts for six months. Like I said, there's a chewable tablet that animals can take, and there's lots of different options out there. And whatever is best is what I always tell people is whatever you're going to remember. Also, what is going to be recommended by your veterinarian, because depending on the area that you are, there might be maybe even a heartworm that might be resistant to the drug that yeah. they might be on. Whatever is going to be most effective and then also what is going to be remembered and given because that's the biggest thing is compliance and, and yep. making sure that, that your pet gets that. Another thing too is also thinking about it simply, like you said right in the beginning, cutting off mosquitoes, yeah. preventing mosquitoes. Um, so Living in a gated community. Living in a gated community. <laughs> or a blue or, house. Or a blue house. You're going to be totally <laughs> safe. But using EPA approved insect repellent not being outside during really peak hours of feeding times for for mosquitoes it can help prevent um, the disease as well so just you know being smart big thing you know that that i always tell people is treatment is really risky there's not only just the you know medication that we have to give it's an injection it's really expensive and um can be scary um, to give, but there's also other medications that we have to give. We have to give anti-inflammatories, have to give an antibiotic, not for the heartworm, but also then a bacteria that the heartworm can carry and transmit. Because the heartworm's not well. disgusting enough, but it has a bacteria on it that could also hurt the animal. In it, yeah. That's, or in it. <laughs> in it. So this is disgusting. It's double, triple layers of gross. Yes. So it's not, so nice. you know, it's not just like, oh yeah, just treat him for heartworm. It's pretty complicated. So, you know, the, there's a lot of things out there that I've seen on social media that bashes vets about being, you know, in it for the money. Well, and, of course, we're loaded now, right? You know, there's a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, right, totally. <laughs> and there's a, a conspiracy that, um, you know, vets will only recommend heartworm preventative because we want to get your money. Well, $5 a month really pays for that mortgage. It totally does. <laughs> it's And like you said, yeah, it's only a couple, 5 to $10 a month yeah. for preventative. Treatment for heartworm disease is going to be up in the thousands, in the thousands. and might be even fatal. To, that one could to buy us a, a used car. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> when you when you think about it, that's you know breaking it down simply. That's it is what it is, and yeah. I'd much rather prevent it than ever yeah. have to treat it. Absolutely. That way. It's you know I mean the, there's no question that preventative medicine is clearly the best way to go in in all cases yes. and uh, you know but if you really like your vet a lot and you want to buy them a used car then have your dog get heartworm and pay them thousands of dollars for the treatment or you could just save all of you a lot of time and and, and, and heartache, and heartache. <laughs> wow but um right uh, you can <laughs> save you guys some time and heartache and uh, just do five to ten dollars a month of preventative medicine and and keep keep the mosquitoes away and and all will be happy right yeah in theory anything else you want to throw out there before we close oh i hope that you all enjoyed going through this and learning a little bit more about heartworm there's so much more that we can talk about and i won't bore us and and go over depth on anything because <laughs> i know not everybody's about uh, as passionate about heartworm disease as i am but we'll we'll leave it at that yeah. And if you have any questions or comments or want to learn more, you can always email us at teachervetpodcast at gmail.com. 
Yeah. And also you can hit us up with the social media sites, which you heard in the middle point. One thing I want to do throw out real quick before we close is just a quick shout out to our friends over at the Our Take podcast. You got Spencer and Brian over there, some friends of ours, really good guys. They talk about um, current issues and political issues and things like that. Uh, pretty funny if you're into kind of a, a fun, uh, hilarious take on politics and, and current events. They're definitely going to be a good one for you. So you should go check them out. And uh, I'd highly recommend them. And um, so other than that, we hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next week.